Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of Latin America and the Caribbean. In partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast every Wednesday on Code Pink YouTube at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm happy to introduce to you this evening as my co-host, Yoav Elenetsky from Mass Peace Action, our new broadcast partner, in addition with Task Force on the Americas and Friends of Latin America. Welcome, Yoav, and thank you so much for joining us this evening. He will be um, co-hosting tonight, and I also um, want to introduce to you our guest. Um, as, as you all know, tonight's program is entitled Alex Saab, Sanctions and the Extrajudicial Reach of the United States. And the case of Alex Saab is a really important uh, judicial subject for all of us to discuss, particularly um, how the U.S. is behaving in this case. And so let me um, tell you a little bit about John, because I think you'll all be very impressed with his, his work and, and, his, and his history, his body of work. And, and then we'll have Yoav give us um, a bit of a background for all of you um, as to the Saab case and, the, and Venezuela and the, uh, the Venezuela-U.S. Uh, foreign relations situation because that has so much to do with um, the current situation with um, Ambassador Saab. Uh, and then John can give us uh, an update and answer questions and put your questions in the YouTube chat, please, um, as to what is currently happening with Alex and, and where we go from here. So let me tell you a little bit about John. John is an experienced international defense attorney before the International Criminal Courts, ICC, ICTR, and in Canada. He has been active in Africa, Latin America, and Europe, as well as Canada. He's a frequently invited speaker at international conferences and webinars. He's an advisor on international legal issues to governments and non-governmental organizations. He's also a former judge at the Kuala Lumpur War Crimes Tribunal. He's a member of the Free Alex Saab Committee, which we will talk more about this evening as well. He's a member of the Free Alex Saab Committee of the Cross Canada Campaign to Free Meng Wanzhou, president of the Rwanda Political Prisoner Support Network, and he's also part of the coalition BDS Quebec. So, and you can find John at johnphilpot.com and it's J-O-H-N-P-H-I-L-P-O-P.com. So welcome Yav and welcome John. It's an honor to have you both um, with us this evening and um, let's, uh, let's start our conversation. Okay, thank you, uh, Terry, and thank you, John. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be here with you because this is a very important issue that we are dealing with. Uh, this story exposed the lawlessness, the hypocrisy of the United States government and the lie spread around the world about what it is doing. And uh, I just want to tell you the story very shortly about Alex Saib and the historical context to this uh, story. So Alex Saib is a Venezuelan businessman and a diplomat. He was arrested, he was, uh, he was kidnapped and arrested on June 12, 2020 
on the order of the US government while his plane was on refueling stop in Cape Verde. He was forced, forcibly removed from the plane in prison and held under torturous conditions. It has been more than 400 days since Alex uh, remains uh, imprisoned. Uh, Alex was on his way to Iran on an official visit in search of food, medicine, and gasoline to alleviate the crisis in Venezuela resulted from the regime uh, uh, and extraterritorial sanction imposed by the United States to punish the people of Venezuela. We need to remember how devastating the sanctions are, where people have to wait for nine hours on gas lines, when trucks cannot deliver food from the countryside because they don't have the diesel fuel. People cannot get medicine uh, to, to, to heal themselves. And it, it caused, as we all know, uh, by a study that was done uh, by, um, by Mark Weisbrot and Jeffrey Sash, they calculated that between 2017 and 2018, 40,000 Venezuelans died as a result of the sanctions. Well, this is uh, three years later, you can do the calculation and you can, we can see the, the devastation here. Uh, it, we must uh, see also that it was the Trump administration that, that ordered the arrest of, of uh, Alex Saeb. And I just found out that as a matter of fact, at one point, the US sent Navy warships to go to the island to keep an eye on Alex Saeb. Now, I just want to give a, a very brief, uh, 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 maybe one more thing before I talk about the US-Venezuela relationship. I think that maybe John can also discuss this uh, fact that the United States is now planning to build a $350, $400 million embassy in Cape Verde a country of no more than 100,000 people. So it's a, it's, it's, and then some of this money will go to, to uh, benefit, to benefit some elites in Cape Verde. And this is in return for arresting uh, Alex Saeb. Okay, very briefly, historical context. In 1999, Chavez is elected to president of Venezuela. Three years later, under Bush, there is a coup against Chavez. He was arrested for 47 hours. And if it wasn't for the masses in Venezuela that went to the street, went in Caracas to the presidential palace that, uh, uh, and demanded the return of Chavez, uh, he, he would be done with in uh, three years after his election. Um, but this was not the, the only coup. In 2019, uh, as you remember, Guaido is calling for openly for an uprising against uh, uh, Maduro, supported by the United States. In May 2020, 300 heavily armed volunteers invaded uh, Venezuela uh, for the, with the goal of uh, raid military bases, ignite popular rebellion, against the government of Maduro. Um, 
and this is something that maybe John can explain to us, is there a relationship with the fact that Saib uh, is held in prison after the Venezuelan government sentenced two former American soldiers who participated in the last invasion of Venezuela. Are they holding Alex as a, 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 in order to, to, to swap so-called prisoners? Uh, but the coup, coups was not the only tool that the US used. There is military pressure in June, in, in, in the summer of 2020, the US sent Navy ships to the, to the coast of, of, of Venezuela to, to, to intimidate and to intimidate other countries from delivering oil and supply to, uh, to Venezuela. In terms of the sanction, we need to remember that the sanction started in 2006, uh, supposedly because, because the government of Venezuela is not co collaborating with the United States in the drug war, which is complete nonsense. And then in 2008, Bush blamed Chavez for supporting Hezbollah in, in Lebanon. Total nonsense, total lies. Uh, in 2015, Obama issued a new executive order declaring a national emergency with respect to the unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States posed by the situation in Venezuela. Another totally, uh, 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 total lie. Uh, uh, and then the sanction regime accelerated. In 2019, uh, as we said, uh, 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 when the United States recognized Guaido, they also imposed sanctions on the Venezuela state oil company, the central bank, and the government. Um, uh, Trump also imposed additional financial sanctions on Venezuela uh, that prohibited access to US financial markets by Venezuela government, including the oil company. Um, and then in 2018, uh, I'm sorry, 2020, uh, the treasury began sanctions against company from overseas that are doing business with uh, Venezuela, specifically the Russian state oil company and Chinese oil companies that are doing business in, uh, in Venezuela. This is the context. And I think that's how we need to look also at the case of Alex Saib as part of the pressure of the US government to impose a regime change in Venezuela. Thank you, Yoav, for that excellent um, background. I think in, in our next um, guest is John Philpot. And John, I think this case, you know, Yoav has explained all the hindrances placed via sanctions on Venezuela for participating in the global economy. And Alex Saab has been, was made an ambassador of Venezuela so that he could travel and conduct business transactions on behalf of the state of Venezuela. And um, basically he was a sanctions workaround. And I would argue that's, the, uh, that's why he's sitting in prison today. Well, that is the center of it. And let's, um, extradition 
it's not that complicated. A murder, a murderer in Montreal who's in Boston, there's a process for producing a summary of the evidence and having him transferred or surrendered to Montreal, to Canada, I'm in Canada, to stand trial. And it should be routine, but there's lots of exceptions. But you don't study the merits of the case. In other words, whether the person has an alibi. Now, Alex Saab was on a stopover, unplanned stopover, and he was arrested on a, what they said was a red notice from Interpol is actually in the wrong name and it came out a day later. But he was arrested and held um, incommunicado for, from June till December. And the lawyers from the, his lawyers in London, he had a very good team of lawyers who applied and got him in house arrest in the island of Sal in Cape Verde. It's not really, he's not, he's not being tortured, but he can't move and he's surrounded by police. But he's in house arrest, he can't, but he can't go anywhere. And he doesn't have the medical treatment that he needs because he's suffering from cancer. Now, um, he did not want to be transferred to the, to be sent to the US to stand trial. And he applied um, locally to the court to have, him, to have himself released. And then he made a legal application to the um, regional court of the Economic Community of West African States, which is the court of ultimate jurisdiction, like the Supreme Court in the US for Americans. And this court studied his case very carefully. I've read the judgment and said, you got to let him out right away and you got to pay him $200,000. And it was illegal, his arrest. That was on March 15th, 2020. Um, Cape Verde, who is under this tremendous economic pressure from the US, uh, it's, it's a tiny country and this, all this money and all these jobs available by the US is trying to have a, a new out base on the, around Africa because Africa is a, the US wants to, is losing out and wants to try and have a military and economic influence on this part of Africa. So anyway, um, this court ordered him released. They didn't pay attention to him and that's, Remember, he's a diplomat. And yeah, a dip this is, can we just clarify, let's just clarify something for the audience that yes, he is, he's an ambassador. He's a special envoy ambassador of the Venezuelan government appointed by the president. And so you're looking at the United States putting pressure on a country to detain a diplomat. And um, just so the audience is clear, he, Ambassador Saab was flying, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, flying from Caracas to Iran to procure food and gasoline for Venezuela. And this is where the sanctions workaround is involved. Exactly. In That's exactly right. And he's a diplomat in transit. He's not accredited to Cape Verde. He's a diplomat in transit. He was going to be extra special representative to the African Union. Now, so he also applied to the United Nations Human Rights Commi Commission Committee. And he was worried about being tortured or being badly treated in the US, just like Julian Assange, his, his sentence was equivalent to torture, as we recall. And the Human Rights Committee rendered a judgment on the 8th of June saying to Cape Verde, 
don't extradite him until we study the case on the merits. Cape Verde seems to be ignoring um, all these judgments. Even they went to the, they went, they say that the uh, West African court doesn't have jurisdiction, but they went back and argued to change the judgment in, in late June. They made an application to this court to try and have it overthrown and reversed, and it wasn't. So they accepted this uh, judgment. The lawyers who are very, very competent applied to the constitutional court to declare it unconstitutional. And this court has to render judgments within 30 days. And they kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally, on the 30th of August or 31st, I think 31st, they rendered a judgment saying that he could be extradited. And um, so we are sort of concerned about his immediate extradition. But um, I must say that his lawyers are not overly, uh, well, they're worried, of course, but they're very, very confident in the, in the recourses that remain and the international campaign to have him released. And so we have to look um, to the future. And this is why this kind of webinar is extremely important. I want to address some of the legal issues which are going to affect um, third world or third world other countries in their relationship with the US. Alex Saab is charged with money laundering where he's supposed to have extorted money from the Venezuelan government in Venezuela. And they laid these charges in a Southern uh, Florida district court. And the, they apparently are getting jurisdiction because some of the co-conspirators lived in Florida. But it's kind of funny saying, you know, the US laying charges for something which, if true, happened in Venezuela. I'm convinced it's not true because we all know there's a process going on in Mexico right now. And the SAB case is being brought into the issues in the reconciliation, which is necessary in um, Venezuela. Now, I you just said some. Can I just interrupt for a moment? Because you just said something that I find fascinating, and I've probably heard it before, but coming from you, it, I heard it quite differently. That so the United States claims that uh, Alex Saab was committing criminal activity in Venezuela, where he is a citizen, Colombian-born, but now a Venezuelan citizen. And the U.S. is pressing charges based on that. I mean, this is has to deal with national sovereignty. Sure. These are national sovereignty issues. That is exactly I mean, the point. At the very least. That is exactly the point. Now, they have a law that you can't bribe foreign governments. The U.S. does. But that's, that's, why they're, that's what they're trying to do. And this re relates to the situation of Meng Wanzhou of China. She is the chief financial officer for Huawei, who was on transit. And she was arrested on the 1st of, a, of August 2018 for a, a fraud case in the same dates, 2013, 2014. Here's the context. Huawei negotiated with HSBC Bank with the senior executives about um, a contract with Iran 
from one of its subsidiaries. And the HSBC knew everything about it. And the US, based on illegal extraterritorial, extraterritorial sanctions in forbidding anyone to do business with Iran, HSBC's in Hong Kong, said she tried by misrepresenting the situation to commit fraud against HSBC. And, H and remember, H uh, Hong Kong is part of China. And they got jurisdiction because for a, mini, a millisecond, the transaction, the payments went through a New York bank. Now, this has been going on, the extradition case has been going on since August 2018. She's just passed her 1,000 days. And we're having a webinar on this next week, next the 22nd. And I will ask Terry to send the announcement around to you because it overlaps relating to sovereignty. And um, the case is going, there's something, there's some possibility of winning the case. And it comes down to Canada trying to act in a sovereign manner with respect to the US. We are in Canada, we suffer, we have bad relations with the US right now, with China right now, because we've detained one of their leading people, leading business persons who are dignified, like Alex Saab, a dignified man, well off, but loyal to the government which he is serving. So John, there is another issue that is that appears here because if you are arresting Alex Saab because supposedly he uh, uh, was involved in bribe dealing with the Venezuelan government, you are also questioning the legitimacy of the Venezuelan government in this way. In other words, you, you are bla because the Venezuelan government is not arresting uh, Saeb. They don't think sure. that, that, that Alex Saeb committed any crime. On the contrary, he was helping Venezuela. So by yes. arresting him supposedly for for involving in crime against the Venezuelan government, they are delegitimizing the Venezuelan government. Yeah. Well, the U.S. in its in its extradition policies is not really concerned about being fair. They're concerned about weakening and intimidating. Now, the Alex Saab campaign, which I joined in with uh, this spring, has been doing a lot of activity. And it's very important that the people listening to this, and I know Terry Matson through Sanctions Kill, um, they sent an emergency delegation to Cape Verde from the June 3rd to June 10th. Um, and it got a lot of, uh, of press and they also have a international appeal with 15,000 signatures sent to the president of the US and prime minister of Cape Verde having him released. There's a large archive of materials available. There was a webinar on the 19th of May with the lawyers for um, uh, Mr. Saab, Mr. Almeida, Mr. Felana, William Kemakaro, and myself, Stanfield Smith, and Sarah Flounders. Massachusetts, Massachusetts Peace Action held a webinar on the 10th of August. There's a strong social media campaign, and the Saab defense team is confident of achieving his release. The legal process is far from over. Balthazar, Balthazar Gazan, former well-known 
of the Audiencia Nacional from Spain, the detention of the Venezuelan diplomat is a barbarity. They want to condemn the process and criticize this. Uh, I'm a lawyer, I see judgments. And when you see a judgment which is patched together and doesn't make sense, this is what this constitutional court did. And Cape Verde is not terribly sovereign. It's very small. One can even sort of understand that they're terrified and intimidated by the US. Um, can't accept it, they should resign. But you understand the pressure that they did. And they wrote this nonsense judgment saying it was constitutional. And the issue is now an international issue. It has to be taken up even more strongly than ever. And um, it's in the forum, of course, which is being of discussion in Mexico right now. So, um, so for our audience, what John is referring to is the Venezuelan dialogue happening that uh, Mexico is hosting between the elect democratically elected government of Venezuela and, um, and the opposition. And uh, they just finished their second round here in Mexico and the third round will be starting in um, October, I believe. So John, I wanted to ask you, can Alex Saib see his family? Can, when, when the delegation, the international delegation, when they went to Cape Verde, were they able to meet with him? I understand they, they did meet them, but I'm not sure of all the details of who met who. I understand he was moved to one of the main islands to see doctors, but some people say that was a fake thing because they're getting ready to transfer him. I don't know the answer to that. Um, he's had a very difficult time and um, we don't want him to go to the US because I don't know whether you know the statistics of the federal court system, but they always get their man. The conviction rate is so high in the US district court. I've been involved in trial, a trial or two in the US as an advisor. And so um, we do not want him to go to the US. He cannot have a fair trial in the US, whatever anybody says. Um, is there is there a way to slow down the process so that maybe during the, the the negotiation in Mexico between the government and the opposition the, a deal will be able to to well I think so but I mean I don't I don't uh, I'm not his counsel so I'm not sure of everything that's going to happen um, I know that his lawyers in the U.S. are applying to the court to have the case dismissed because of his diplomatic status. And there's a, I think this is a brief going to be filed in about two weeks on this. So, um, but second guessing a court and court results and what's gonna happen legally when you're not on the case, um, I'm humble enough to know that I don't know because I've done enough litigation myself to know that you don't even know what's gonna happen in two weeks, but it's certainly far from over and this is an issue for everybody, every diplomat, every UN person who travels the US acts above the law in trying to get their hands on people they don't want. It's a, another branch of their aggression, sanctions policy, um, hybrid war with 
This is another subject, of course, which we should, I think we have to study it because they don't intervene directly and bomb directly as much as before. Um, but their policy is um, as aggressive as ever. Sanctions policy, um, Sanctions Kill has just published uh, its report with the Biden government, Biden administration. And uh, we actually, I co-authored it with um, Rick Sterling and David Paul, and it was distributed yesterday. And we hope to participate in this international debate about sanctions because it's almost worse than war. I don't, it's hard to worse say. Worse than a hot war. It's worse than a hot war. And remember Madeleine, silent. Madeleine Albright saying the sanctions on Iraq, even though it killed 500,000 children, it was worth it. That's right. What? That's right. Who can think that? And we know people. Can you imagine? No, I, wanted ask, I wanted to ask you about the Hawaii, the Hawaii case in, in Canada. What is the public opinion in, 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 in Canada about her arrest? Well, there's a lot of support for her and there's a lot of propaganda against her. And this issue is being raised. We're having in a federal election right now. And they're saying that um, we cannot let her go because China's arrested the two Michaels, two foreign, two Canadians working in China who actually have been photographed. And they've photographed uh, mil military installations and one guy sent them to the other guy, one of the Michaels sent it to another guy. And these men are allegedly hostages for Meng Wanzhou, but there is an independent trials of these men. One man's been convicted and got 11 years. Another man's having his, his judgment quite soon, but these are spies. Canada, they criticize these as secret trials, but in any country when there's national security issues, the trials are secret, you know? I mean, Canada has secret trials and secret evidence when, when there's national security issues at stake. So, um, so in Canada, there's a very strong campaign and uh, to get her released. And it hurts Canada. Canada in the West, they have a lot of business with one of the biggest, most important business partners, partners for China. We should have a proper relationship as the U.S. should with China, and and uh, history will tell us um, where we're going. And this is part of our campaign to stop sanctions, because sanctions policy, we are we are fighting for a multilateral lateral world where you don't have sanctions, and that countries deal with one another according to the United Nations charters and not what's called, what the US calls or the Canada calls, the rules-based international order, which means the power of the mighty. No, the rule, the international community is defined by the 1946 Charter of the United Nations, sovereign equality of nations, do not interfere in eternal affairs. Sanctions are a crime against humanity when it makes people suffer and the people impose the sanctions intend the results, which they do. They know very well that people are going to die. And this applies to the Caesar sanctions in Syria. It applies to Iran, it applies to Zimbabwe, it applies to Gaza, it applies to North Korea. 
Um, it applies to Venezuela and so on. And Cuba. This is Cuba for 60 plus years. No. Yes, of course. And maybe one can say Haiti for more than 200 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this, yeah. this the is Haitian, Haitian laugh. Haitian laugh at the Cuban. They say to the Cuban, oh, your, 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 uh, the, the sanctions and blockade against you is only 60 years. We are suffering from this heavy handed for already 200 years. Well, the US didn't want a black country to be independent. They, they didn't like that in 1804. That's, that's another issue, but it's still very important, of course. I wonder, um, in our closing minutes, um, if John, we could return briefly to a comment you made about how the Saab case, how the, the however it, it the result comes, how the situation that has led up to his arrest, his detainment, and whatever the um, result of the case is, how it's going to affect. I think you mentioned the third world, and you know, in other countries that aren't 100% aligned uh, with the United States? Well, um, when they plan their cases, they do it in the State Department and in the prosecutor's offices, and no one knows about them. The Meng indictment was adopted in January or February 2018, and she got it served on her August 1st. 2018, more or less, okay? Um, the SAB indictment relates to events five, six years ago, and it came out now, it came out a year ago, year and a half ago. So there's probably more hidden and coming up. And there are many ways in which countries are trying to bypass sanctions now. And um, US sanctions are not that strong. I mean, they're strong and they're, they hurt a lot, but some countries can bypass them a little bit and they're gonna probably bypass them more. So who is next? Businessman, there's a businessman from North Korea whose name I don't know, who was extradited a year ago from Malaysia. It's also very serious because he did business and he broke sanctions against North Korea and the US got their hands on him. So how many more are there? Um, I don't know, but diplomats are in danger, businessmen, business persons are in danger, men, women, persons are in, are in danger, and we don't know. We don't. Yeah, you know, you know, John, we can also add the, the, the extrajudicial killing that the United States, for example, murdering, killing uh, Soleimani in, in, in Iraq, or is, the way Israel is, is assassinating people uh it, it's it's this kind of being above the law and taking the law to their to their own hands that's certainly true it's another it's a different issue a bit but yeah. it's it's the same it's this, it's a phenomenon it's that extrajudicial reach mm -hmm. yep yeah where the yeah anyway. it's that extrajudicial reach and the of the united states and the complete uh lack of respect for uh the rights and sovereignty of other other nations actually we can even add, add the killing the murdering of american citizens in yemen which was extrajudicial against american mm -hmm. citizens For sure. right? the, the man and his boy who was killed uh, they were american citizens So what, should, what, what have we not addressed regarding the significance of the Saab case? He's, what's the current, is he 
he was to be extradited. That has been appealed, and he is not being extradited at this point. He, oh, lost, that's his he lost his appeal. He, he lost it. Okay. And, what can we do? What can we do, John? They, what can we do here? Well, the lawyers have plans, and they want their other recourses to the UN and to the regional court. I do not know exactly what their plans are because they're it's a recent event. Um, I know they're going to, there's going to, the, the SAB committee is going to have another conference soon. I don't have the date for it. Um, and people should sign the petition um, at, uh, I can, I can send uh, the link for the petition to uh, Terry right now in a few minutes. Um, we should mention that. Can you read it out loud for our audience so they yes. can hear it? It's, um, H, it's the Solidarity Center petition, um, which is sent to the U.S. President, the President and Prime Minister of Cabo, Cap Verde. And um, I, will have, uh, I will ask Terry to post it in the next uh, half hour. Um, so I think... This is a very ongoing struggle, and um, we have to strengthen our solidarity, strengthen our, our fight on this case. We've been on this for four or five months now, and it's far from over. How can we help? How can, them, uh, how can people here in the United States help? They can, they can sign the petition, and they can contact the SAB committee, and we will have that, all that information um, available. Um, I'll post that in the in the um, in the uh, comments of tonight's broadcast, so that all of you can can see it there. Great, great. Okay. Great. So, so this is so. It's shocking. It, I mean, when when you talk to U.S. citizens about it, I can't speak for Canada, John. You can. It's it's people don't even can't even grasp what the case is about because it's so hard for people to understand and or believe this extrajudicial reach of the United States this push for one world one order led by the United States and its principal allies and that includes everything militarily economic global currency, political, all of it. And it's very hard. I mean, he, this case is such a great uh, case study in what the United States is attempting to do. And it's very, I'm so happy for your time tonight because it's, it's so important to keep, uh, to keep everyone apprised of what's happening and, and, uh, and the significance of what's happening. Is, is there anything that we should address before we, anything we've forgotten, anything that? Well, I, you know, there's, there's, um, there's the attempt to bully Africa is a very important aspect because the African Bar Association, which I know well, has protested the African Union He's a delegate to the African Union. Cape Verde, why do they need a $340 million embassy in Cape Verde if it's not to, to try and control Africa? We know about 
and this is something you should study. Look at the gray zone on this, the conflict over Ethiopia and Eritrea and the Tigray uh, uh, so-called rebellion, which is not a rebellion, um, and the attempt to control that strategic area. These are things which progressives and citizens should try and understand. Look at the gray zone, look at the Taylor report in, in Canada. Um, it's, there's a lot of material because the US is not gonna give up easily. They're losing, they're not as strong as they used to be, but they're not down yet and they have to change their approach to the world. Um, and so, and a lot of people don't realize that this is the, it's an aggressive power, which is trying to control by, I, I would call them lies. These legal issues are lies, okay? And I mean, obviously we're all concerned about Julian Assange, but that's, and it's extremely important. Um, this is another example of, of what, they, what they're doing to this man who all he did is expose US war crimes in Iraq. That's all he did. And he's being extra, he, the, the push is to extradite him to the United States to stand trial where he isn't even a, where he isn't even a citizen, even an Australian citizen. Yeah. So that, again, that extrajudicial reach for that U.S. as the world's police, mm -hmm. judge and jury, it, it's quite, it, it's quite alarming. And we really have our work cut out for us. And I so appreciate the work that both of you are doing. And so I want to um, just give the audience uh, two websites, and then um, I'll also post it in the comments so that um, you can easily find um, things as well. But uh, sanctionskill.org is sanctionskill, S-A-N-C-T-I-O-N-S-K-I-L-L.org. And you can find, um, the audience can find the sanctions report that was published yesterday. That is on that site. And then also, John, you mentioned um, the prior uh, webinar on Alex Saab that Mass Peace Action uh, hosted. That can be found on Mass Peace Action's YouTube channel. And Mass Peace Action on the internet is M-A-S-S-P-E-A-C-E-A-C-T-I-O-N.org. And I want to remind our audience that you have been watching What the F is Going On in Latin America, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of Latin America and the Caribbean. We broadcast in partnership with Massachusetts Peace Action, Friends of Latin America, and Task Force on the Americas. And also, uh, you can now find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I also want to remind all of you that Code Pink Radio broadcasts every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern on WBAI out of New York City and simulcast um, out of Washington, D.C. on WPFW. So thank you, gentlemen. And I hope that uh, we have a follow-up conversation as this, uh, as this case proceeds. And... Um, We'll just keep the audience informed. It's this very, very important human rights, economic rights, national sovereignty. I don't know. There's so many. There's so many issues wrapped into uh, into this one man's um, this one man being basically a political prisoner. Proxima, proxima vez lo haremos en español. Sí, la próxima vez. Okay. Thank you. You have any closing comments you'd like to make? Mm -hmm. I would just like to, 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 
tell our audience that it's important to spread the word about this case, to expose the criminality, the hypocrisy, the lying which is involved in this case and the danger that John uh, uh, very well explained to us, the, the implication, uh, the international implication of this case as the case of the, uh, uh, the Chinese woman in, in, in Canada, in the Y company. So thank you, John, uh, it was great to, to uh, Thank you. I enjoy listening to you. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank bye -bye. you. Thank you. Okay, bye. everyone. We'll see you next week on Code Pink YouTube at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Good night. Good night. Bye.